Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Five minutes past 12 o'clock. Good afternoon. How are you? I do feel like I'm the weather reporter every Thursday afternoon. A week ago, it was boiling hot, and now it feels sort of like winter's returned. I'm sitting in the studio in... A very, very warm coat, actually And my guest is sitting here with a t-shirt on So I don't know who's right and who's wrong Maybe we're both right It's just how things go How are you doing? Are you having a fabulous Thursday? I hope that you are Because we really have a really good show lined up for you um, Of course, Rosh Hashanah is just around the corner So you are probably very, very busy Getting your food Getting ready to cook Getting ready to celebrate And spend time with um, special people in your life So we, we're we going to be talking a little bit later About that um, Joe Berg Discovery 947 race Which maybe you've been thinking about um, And as we said I think tomorrow is the cut off date and really if you are going to be joining team DL link you've got to make up your mind ASAP so we're going to be talking that a little bit later but we're going to be kicking off the show talking about women's issues um, women's cancer um, this on the 10th of September it was the international gynecological awareness day um, and a very important day I'm um, talking about obviously awareness about gynecological and sexual health issues um, and and so we've got the expert in the studio and we are so delighted because she is a very very busy lady um, and she gives of her time and she gives of her expertise all the time so the fact that she's taken time out to join us is a huge bonus so Dr. Trudy Smith welcome Thank you so much for having me. As you know, I really love to come to the studio. Oh, truly, it's lovely to have you. Lovely, lovely to have you. So I've got you here as surgical gynecological oncologist, specializing in oncology. So I'm an obstetrician and gynecologist with a subspecialty in gynecological cancers. So, um, yeah, it's like an extra speciality that we have. There's a few of us around. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, not many of us. But, yeah, gynecological cancers are my thing. So surgery, so you can perform all types of surgery yeah. in the pelvic area. Sure. So we don't administer the chemotherapy and the radiation, but we are the surgeons. So we make the diagnosis and then we work as a multidisciplinary team. I think what's important now about particularly cancer management is we try not to work in isolation. Mm. So we work as multidisciplinary units. So certainly like, for instance, at the Donald Gordon, we meet every Thursday night. And we spend a couple of hours together. Really? That's incredible. Wow. And it's, um, you know, like myself, a colon surgeon, a liver surgeon, the radiation oncologist, chemotherapist. So then we present a case and we look at the radiology. And then, you know, it's it's more about not working in isolation as far as cancers are concerned now. So we have many MDTs. I sit on another one on Monday morning. I get up at 5.30 in the morning and we meet at half six. Wow. So... It's, I think that's the way to go, mm, mm. is a multidisciplinary team because you put lots of minds together and you come up with the best solution because at the end of the day, each person is different, each cancer is different, each approach is different. And, you know, the more minds come together, the better it is for that person. Mm. And having hosted this show now for a few years, 
each patient is so different. Totally. And, and they really are talking about when you look at treatment, treatment specific to the individual patient. Absolutely. Which is quite challenging but must be exciting at the same time. It's very challenging. Obviously, we follow rules, uh, you know, in terms of staging cancers, and then you have rules for each stage, so long as you don't deviate too much from the rules. But, you know, nothing in medicine is perfect. Mm-hmm. So there are other alternatives that you always need to look at and think about. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Let's take a break. After the break, let's talk about is it cervical or cervical cancer? Uh, interesting. Potato, you know, potato. potato. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you call it, Trudy? Cervical. So, thank you. I'm happier with cervical. Oh. Let's go with cervical. A break, and then let's talk about this silent killer. We'll be right back. Hi, FM. Your station of choice since 2008. Thank you so much for staying with us. This is the DR Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Nikki Seberini here. I'm with you for the next hour on 101.9 High FM. I have Dr. Trudy Smith in the studio. We're talking about, well, we'll start off talking about cervical cancer, um, otherwise known as the silent killer and, and frightening um, to hear that it's the leading cause of cancer death amongst South African women, Trudy. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm not belittling breast cancer at all. But breast cancer, you know, the boobs are on the outside. Mm. We see them. Um, they're a part of our being as women. Whereas the, the poor cervix, first of all, because it's in the vagina, as soon as you say the word vagina, everybody's like, oh, Ooh, you know, <laughs> um, we can't go there. We can't talk about it. So it's, it's very much, um, it's in a place that's very vulnerable. It's a dark place that is not on the outside, mm-hmm. so you don't know if there's something wrong with it. And it's um, while breast cancer is the commonest cancer, the leading cause of death is cervical cancer. Wow. So cervical cancer is the second commonest cancer, but more women die of it than they die of breast cancer. So the, the silent killer, because you don't know you have it, it's not like the breast cancer where you feel a lump in the yeah, breast. You feel a lump and, and you see a change in the breast. Absolutely. And, and breast cancers out there, you know, pink ribbons, we walk for breast cancer, whatever, mm. but we don't walk for our poor cervix. No. Nobody speaks about the no. cervix because it's in a sexual place called the vagina, yeah. you know. And the, the problem with cervical cancer is it's 100% preventable. Can you believe that? Mm. 100% preventable. Well, that's what we need to talk about because when you talk about 100% preventable, it means early detection. Well, regular no, checkups. It's prevention right from the beginning. Okay. So we know cervical cancer is caused by a virus called human papilloma virus. Mm-hmm. You can't avoid that virus. The only way to Ever avoid an HPV virus is to never have sex in your life. Oh, really, Trudy? Ever. Okay. okay. And to put nothing in your vagina, ever. No tampon, no fingers, no nothing. And even then, you're not 100% protected because human papilloma virus lives everywhere. It's common. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have an STI. Oh, all right. It's there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, people hold things. They touch things. It's skin-on-skin contact. And we have skin-on-skin contact every day of our lives with other people, with ourselves, you know. So you can't 
prevent the HPV from getting into your vagina. So that's why we want to vaccinate young girls. And in fact, in Australia, they vaccinate girls and boys. It's just in this country. And boys. And boys. But if you're looking for bang for your buck, you'd rather vaccinate girls before boys, Mm -hmm. you know, from a economic perspective. Mm -hmm. Because it's not cheap. So ideally, we would like to vaccinate both boys and girls. When they, Not because the boys can have any problems no, with can. the can so they boys also, oh, can get anal cancers or HPV, penile cancers or HPV, really? sure. skin cancers or HPV. Wow. So, you know, you would protect males as well, but cervical cancer is more common out of all the cancers that are HPV related. And that's why vaccinating girls would be better. So, you start by what we call primary prevention. So you vaccinate young girls. It's not going to protect you a hundred percent because we don't have a vaccine that contains all the HPVs. We only have a vaccine that has HPV 16 and 18. Yeah. Mm. And 16 and 18 are what we call the super high risk ones. They are the HPVs that cause over 70% of the cancers. And that's why the vaccine, when it was first developed, nearly 30 years ago now, um, contained the 16 and the 18. In fact, if you look now in Australia, there are very few abnormal pap smears because they introduced the vaccine in 1980. It's a whole generation of the vaccine. So there's right. a whole generation. So mm. now they only see abnormal pap smears in older women who weren't vaccinated, whereas all the younger women who are coming through now have been vaccinated. So it's quite uncommon. And they feel that they're probably going to eradicate cervical cancer maybe by 2025. That's incredible, Trudy. That really, really is incredible because there's always controversy around Vaccination. That's it. Um, and, but if you, if you're talking about this and you're looking at Australia and you're looking at the success rate, it speaks to the success of a vaccination. Are there side effects? So, you know, I say to women, if you vaccinate, if there was a vaccine against breast cancer, everybody would be lining up, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's wrong with the cervix? Again, because it's in the vagina. Why is it such an issue to vaccinate against the leading killer cancer of women when if there was a breast cancer, what everybody would be lining mm, up for their mm, children? So mm. I find that also a strange concept. So the, the interesting concept around the vaccine is that it's an adolescent vaccine as opposed to a, a pediatric vaccine. I think going forward, we probably will introduce it into the pediatric um, regime. But right now, it's up, you know, you vaccinate between 12 and 14 years of age. That's when you vaccinate because you want the HPV vaccine to be effective when you're older, whereas measles is a baby disease. Mm, it's mm. not an older person disease. So, so a parent deciding to vaccinate their teenage daughter on some level, because you're saying cervical, vagina, it's it's really to get them vaccinated before they're sexually active. And do you think yeah, that even if you're sexually active, you can still be vaccinated? There's okay. good data on that vaccine up to like 54 years of age. Do you understand? Say, for instance, um, 
your partner dies or you get divorced and you're going to enter into a new relationship or whatever, I would also consider vaccination. Be vaccinated. Absolutely. So that's primary prevention. Wow, okay. Fantastic. But then you can have secondary prevention. Say you didn't get vaccinated. The reason you go for your pap smear, and we need to talk about that because nowadays we don't do a pap smear. We do an HPV test. So if you are HPV negative, you will not have a pap smear abnormality. But if you are HPV positive, 16 and 18, then we have to look for the abnormality on the cervix. Not the cancer, because we know the timeline from when you get HPV to getting the cancer is probably 10 years in most people. Mm -hmm. They did a very bad thing in in New Zealand. They found out how long it would take in New Zealand study. How did did they do that? So they checked women, and when they had an abnormal pap smear, they left them, and they followed them, followed them, followed them, and then saw when the cancer came. That's frightening, really. It was a terrible study. Terrible study. It's shocking. And also I've heard that that women who have HIV are much shorter. Yeah, because of the immune system. Yes, because you're immune. And it's the same as women who smoke. You know, women who smoke, cigarettes um, paralyze those immune cells, they call Langerhans cells, that help your body get rid of HPV. You can get rid of HPV. If you have a low-grade lesion on your pap smear mm-hmm. and you repeat it in six months, mm-hmm. the vast majority will disappear by themselves. But that you need your own immunity. And if you smoke, you paralyze those specialist cells that come in and say, listen, I don't like you. You're infected with the HPV. I'm going to destroy you as a cell. You know, and then if you're not able to do that, then the HPV takes over that cell and turns it into a cancer cell. Hmm. This is fascinating, Trudy. Let's take a break. After the break, we'll continue. If you'd like to ask Trudy a question, you can SMS us on 34519, 34519, if you have any question um, for Trudy, Dr. Trudy Smith. Let's take a break. We'll be back. Hi, FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Thank you for staying with us. Um, this is the DR Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Having a very interesting, a very informative um, discussion about cervical cancer. I have Dr. Trudy Smith in the studio talking about um, the prevention, primary prevention, secondary prevention and primary prevention being the vaccine. The vaccine. Um, and... You know, as I said, if you have any questions and you'd like to SMS them through to Trudy, please do three four five one nine. Trudy, so so let's just go back a little bit. So the okay. ten years, there's when you first get the virus, you've got ten years before it becomes cancerous. Yeah, but remember that um, that was an average. Yeah, so okay. who knows where you All fall right, in yeah, that, that curve? Mm-hmm. So you might. Uh, have a problem with your immune system that we don't know about and you might progress quicker. So the, the theory was we know, you know, everybody is up in arms because the medical aid now says that you can only have a pap smear every three years. But because we've changed it now to human papillomavirus testing, if you have an HPV test and it's negative, Unless you, you know, become a lady of the night and uh, get really busy, um, your chances, 
you might get an HPV tomorrow, do you understand? Yeah. But it's not going to progress into anything in a year or two, maybe okay. three. Okay. So, in fact, some data even suggests you only need a, a HPV test every five years. Wow. Right. So three to five years. You know, the medical aid says three years. Um, the, the commonest medical aid that is utilized says three years. So I think people got really angry about that because they wanted their pap smear every year. Mm. But an HPV test is really a very sensitive test now we know. And then, you know, it might, you have an HPV test and it's negative. When we test it, we test it for HPV 16, HPV 18, and what we call non-16 and non-18 high-risk positive. So if you are 16 or 18 positive on the test, say, for instance, you go to your practitioner, they do an HPV test, and they come back 16 and 18. You mustn't think you've got cancer because that's not true. Mm -hmm. All it's saying is that you've got this HPV hanging around in your vagina. We need to see... Has it caused a problem? And are you going to be able to get rid of it yourself? So the way to get rid of it yourself is not to smoke. Be healthy. And that's the best you can do. Mm -hmm. There's no antibiotic for it. There's no treatment, medical treatment for it. And But what we do need to do is we need to do a, a specialist thing called a colposcopy. And a colpo means... Uh, cervix mouth of the womb mm -hmm. oscopy means to look and we look at the cervix with this huge big microscope yeah. i mean all it is is embarrassing i mean your legs are up and i'm looking down your vajayjay <laughs> with a big microscope having a good look i'm having a good look yeah. you know so I, I paint it with a vinegar water Literally, safari vinegar, white wine vinegar. Wow, yeah. And that shines any abnormality up for me to look at. And I can look under the microscope and get a good sense. I'm not looking for cancer. I'm looking for abnormal cells that I can treat. I can remove to prevent the cancer. So um, what we normally do. So abnormal cells, you just remove. You, you remove just them. scrape them you off. You scoop them out. Simple as that. Simple as that. Okay. So um, we usually in the private sector take patients to theatre, but you don't have to. You can inject the cervix with local anaesthetic. And we, you know when you're um, serving ice cream, you get your spoon, and you put it in hot water, and then you scoop out a bit of yes. ice cream and you put it on the cone. We literally use a hot wire, and it scoops out that abnormal cells that we can see with the microscope. Uh -huh. It's called a large loop excision of the transformation zone, also known as a LETS is okay. what it's called. So we're scooping those abnormal cells and we send them off to the laboratory and they have a look. Because there's grading. There's a low-grade lesion, which will get better by itself, and there's a high-grade lesion, which has a high chance of turning into a cancer if you leave it. Mm -hmm. So you, you really, that's called secondary prevention. The HPV's already got into the cell. Now we need to remove those cells to prevent them from becoming a cancer. Wow. And that's why you go for your checkups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a gynae. A GP can do an HPV test. And if the HPV is negative, great, come back in three years. If it's positive, 
depending if it's 16 and 18, you go straight for colposcopy. Okay. Gee was explained so clearly, Trudy. You know, I've always thought you go to your gynecologist once a year for a checkup. Now you're saying with a pap smear every three, but you should still be going for yeah, a checkup. Because remember, the gynecologist is not... It's not just about the cervix. Mm. So it's about many other things. It's also about having your breast checked. It's also about having discussions about STIs, should you require that discussion. It's about checking the uterus. It's about checking the ovaries. And as you age, it's about checking bones. Mm. So it's other female health. It's not just about your pap yeah. smear. I think it's very clear. That the pap smear can be every few years if you're not high risk, but you still need to be going for your regular sure, checkup. Because at, you know, the, the pap smear is purely about the cervix. Mm. It tells you nothing about the ovaries. It doesn't tell you about uterine cancer. It, it can tell you if there's an infection, but it doesn't tell you more than that. Mm-hmm. So Trudy, let's go back to the cervical cancer. Let's go back to the fact that it's a silent killer, so you can have the lady who hasn't been for a checkup, who hasn't been for the pap smear, as you say, it's not like a lump developing on the breast. You sure. can't see anything. What kind of symptoms do you notice? I mean, when, what, what should you be aware of? What should you be concerned about? So you should be concerned about abnormal bleeding. So anybody, you know, and I feel really strongly about this because we did a study at the Joburg Hospital at Charlotte Matreke where we asked patients how many practitioners they had been to for their abnormal bleeding. Mm -hmm. And most of them had been to five or more doctors before the diagnosis was made. Because if they had abnormal bleeding, You deserve to be examined. Mm. So that's a lesson for women. If you have abnormal bleeding, do not go to the doctor and they mustn't just give you a pill. They need to look in that vagina. Abnormal bleeding, something is happening. Something something. is happening. Whether it be from the cervix, the uterus, your hormones, abnormal bleeding deserves to be looked at, number one. Number two, an abnormal smelly discharge that just isn't getting better. Again, you might go to the GP who just gives you a cream. If that cream and then another cream and then another cream Mm. and another pull Mm. and another pull. No, I want my cervix to be looked at. Mm. I want somebody to look in my vagina Mm. because it's not right. You know, maybe one set of medication. And then if that's not working, if that's working, great. But if it's not working... You need a proper examination. So bleeding and discharge are the commonest problems. And the in terms of treatment, are you looking at a chemotherapy, radiotherapy, or is it really just mainly surgery? No, so it depends on the stage. So in early stage, stage one, it's surgery. In stage two and above, it's a combination of radiation and chemotherapy. Hmm. So the earlier you get it, the better. But again, you also need to be aware of your health because the surgery is not a simple hysterectomy. We have to do what's called a radical hysterectomy with lymph nodes. And that's a pretty tough surgery, and it's particularly difficult in an obese patient. And sometimes in early stage, obese patients, we will not operate because the surgery is too difficult 
because of the obesity, then we would give radiation and chemotherapy. Hmm. And what are the success rates of the having the surgery, this radical hysterectomy? You know, the cervical cancers was one of the first cancers that was cured by radiation. Marie Curie cured cervical cancer from radiation. Marie Curie, yeah. really? She incidentally died of radiation. Yeah, breast, was it breast cancer yeah, or so. something? She had, yeah. I, I watched a documentary on her. What a fascinating woman she was. Very fascinating. Really? Okay. Yeah. So your success in an early stage is good. Is good, but you know, obviously, it has the treatment has consequences. So, a radical hysterectomy, you have to take the top of the vagina out, so it shortens your vagina. You have to take the lymph glands out, so you can have lymphedema, swollen legs. Mm. Um, so, the all cancer treatment has consequences. Mm, okay, so we're looking at early detection. <coughs> we're looking at going all the way back to primary prevention. Really, as you say, so much success in Australia. They're not finding abnormalities in the cells of women who had the vaccination when they sure. were younger. That it's not just for adolescents. That in fact, if you are having quite an active sex life, you perhaps should be. Um, looking at going for that yeah, vaccination. I think so. And if you, you know, somebody, oh, you know, now I'm 19 and I didn't get the vaccine. Can I still have it? You definitely Absolutely can have can. it. Okay. Yeah. Fact, you should have it. You should have yeah. it. You okay. should have it. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Let's, let, let's move on to, have we covered everything in terms of the cervical cancer? So. I think you've explained it so well, mm. really. And why, of course, it being the, the silent killer. Let's look at other type of cancers that, that women can get, um, Trudy. And, you know, looking at the, the, the cervical cancer, early detection, sure, going prevention. through, absolutely very, very important. What, what other cancers do you, do you see? So the other one is ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. Now the problem with ovarian cancer is it's not just a silent killer. It is a killer, unfortunately, because detection is exceedingly difficult. You could have a normal ultrasound and examination today and in two months' time be a stage three. So there sure, is that's no good detection for ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. But some ovarian cancers follow genetic lines, the BRCA gene. The BRCA gene. Okay, that BRCA gene, right? Yeah, and as we know, the BRCA gene is much more common in Ashkenazi Jewish communities. It's also common in Afrikaans communities. Mm -hmm. So there are family lines of BRCA genes. And so um, ovarian cancer and breast cancer go together. So does, unfortunately, other cancers like melanomas and pancreatic cancers. So they can follow in the BRCA gene group. So let's talk about that BRCA gene. I mean, mm. um, I've forgotten her name. That famous actress. It's, I've gone. Angelina Thank Jolie. You. I mean, really, I mean, she became... Well, she was always famous, but we all became very aware of this BRCA gene and she had her breasts removed and she had the hysterectomy and she did it all and she Correct. shone the light on the importance of it. What are you seeing in terms of that, uh, Judy? Should people be going off in fear, having the test to see if they have the So we the always take a, a good family history to have a look at the person's um, history and then we would advise them to go for genetic testing. 
you know, it's the devil you know compared to the one you don't. Mm. So if you have a very strong family history and you do um, genetic testing, you can prevent um, these dire cancers. While the surgery might be hectic, prevention is definitely better it's the ovarian cancer you have to be scared of. Okay. You know, the breast cancer, you could have a mammogram or an MRI is preferential in BRCA gene carriers. But it's not just BRCA genes. There are other genetic cancers, but not all ovarian cancers are genetic. In fact, the vast majority are not. Hmm. They are um, not hereditary at all. So it's just because somebody's got ovarian cancer does not mean they have a genetic cancer. Sure. It's just a difficult one uh, to detect. Symptoms? So symptoms are so vague. They're usually bloating, um, fluid in your abdomen, often get treated as IBS, and um, that's not settling, and then the abdominal girth increases. And unfortunately, that's when it's usually by a stage three yeah, or stage it could four. Be quite far. Yeah. So sure. that's a difficult one. Mm, mm. And and far more common, in fact, is uterine cancer compared to ovarian. Ovarian, thank God, is very uncommon. Mm-hmm. It's a rare cancer. Whereas uterine cancer in today's modern life is becoming more and more common. Because it's Meaning stress-related? No, it's modern a lifestyle cancer. Oh, really? really? Obesity, wow. hypertension, sure. diabetes predisposes you to a uterine cancer. So women who are overweight are at risk of a uterine cancer. Because it's quite interesting is fat is considered the third ovary. Fat cells, in fact, did you know that breast cancer is more common in obese women no. than in skinny women? Had no idea. Yeah. And in fact, your risk of getting a breast cancer if you are overweight with a high fat diet is higher than taking hormone replacement therapy giving you breast cancer. Sure. So obesity, because your fat cells act as a third ovary, mm. you make estrogen in fat. That's why young girls who are a little overweight get their periods before young girls who are skinny. Gee whiz. Mm. I had no idea, Trudy. So lifestyle plays a very big role. A huge role. Everything in life is lifestyle related. It all boils down to that, right? It what you're eating, how you're behaving. You are what you eat you and are. exercise. Oh, oh. You really are. Gee whiz. So sugar. Sugar no, is a no. Sugar is out. We pay sugar tax for a reason. Do you not ingest sugar, much of it? I wish I did that. <laughs> you know, the, I, I love chocolate. <laughs> I try, but this damn sugar tastes so good. Everything that tastes nice has sugar or salt. Oh, I know. And no. Yeah. And as you say, it all points back to that. Everything, if we just had to watch what we put in our mouths, mm-hmm. the kind of exercise, and also what we're thinking and what we're ingesting in terms of media and all of that adds to Absolutely. the stress. Just, we, we have to be very mindful of all of these things. Mm. Very mindful. We need to grow our own vegetables. Yes. We've spoken about that before. Yeah. Growing vegetables. I love driving past people's homes who on their pavement they started growing the vegetables. I love that. I love it. Trudy, you mm. have been phenomenal. Oh, Thank pleasure. you so much for explaining everything. Have we covered everything? I think have so. You, you know, they, I think they're very important messages that we've, that we've uh, covered today. Very important. 
I think the important message is vaccinate, have your routine checkups, don't be afraid, and that really, if you're worried about anything, there's help out there. Uh, uh, and if there's anything abnormal, as you say, go to a doctor. Yeah, get it have sorted it out. To, it and we to. need to evaluate our lives uh, and our lifestyle. Yeah, very important. Trudy, thank you. Dr. My Trudy pleasure. Smith, wonderful having you. Thank you for rushing over. You are so busy, and we appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Take care. We're going to take a break. After the break, we will be back. Stay where you are. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. So interesting. I certainly learned so much for, from Dr. Trudy Smith. Um, our next guest, Louise Turner, is certainly no stranger to the DL Link Show and the High FM studios. It is wonderful to have, um, Louise back in the studio. She is the COO of Breast, the Breast Health Foundation. Um, welcome Louise. Thank Welcome you. Welcome back. Thank you. This is like your second home. And it's becoming that lovely, way, isn't it? Lovely, lovely. Listen, were you listening to I, what Trudy had to say? I was listening so to what Trudy had to right? say. And what's interesting today, I'm completely out of my comfort zone. I know. Because I'm a breast cancer survivor and everybody knows me in the breast cancer community. Mm-hmm. What they don't know is I'm also a cervical cancer survivor. Wow, wow. Well, we didn't know that, you mm-hmm. see. That's why I'm here today. So let's talk about that. Was it the breast cancer first or the cervical cancer? I had breast cancer in 2004 mm-hmm. at the age of 34. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2011 at sure. the age of 42. Wow. And being in the environment I work in, telling people, check, follow up. If you're not happy, go and see your doctor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I didn't practice what I preach mm. in this particular instance. Mm. And have you ever tried to get a gynae appointment? It's not easy. It, the, the first question is, are you pregnant? I know. No. Well, we'll oh, see then it's you not in urgent. six months' yes, time. Yes, yes. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. Um, fortunately, being in the community, in the breast cancer community, my gynae knows me and her receptionist knows me, etc. And I phoned and said, look, I think I need to come and see her. And she went, are you pregnant? I said, would you like me to be pregnant? She went, okay, Louise, I'll get you an appointment. <laughs> but I just want to press pause, Louise. I don't want to interrupt. Mm, but but you, you phoned for a reason. Were you experiencing particular symptoms? You know, after breast cancer and chemotherapy and hormone therapy, because it's all estrogen related, your cycle never quite goes back to normal. Right. And it wasn't quite normal, but I knew something wasn't right. right. And at the back of my mind, I really must go and have a check because after the breast cancer diagnosis, everything revolves around breast. It's mammograms and Uh. it's blood tests and all these things every year. And you sort of skip some of the other tests you should be doing. Uh, how long had it been before your your previous um, uh, pap smear? Uh, probably close on five years. She was. Okay. You know, life gets busy. Yeah. And, and then, as you say, you're busy helping women with breast cancer. Well, H- yes. Being a warrior too. and then or doing all of it. And then I can't plan six months ahead in my life for a gynae appointment. Uh, um, okay. I can, but it's just like it's six months where, oh, don't worry, I'll phone back. Uh. And then you never do. And then it's a couple of years. So you got the appointment. I got the appointment, went in, um, got a mouthful from my gynae for not seeing her for a while because I see her in the cancer community. I don't see her as a patient. Oh. And she did the testing 
and I got a phone call and she said, I think you need to come and see me. And I went, <sighs> why? I'm not pregnant. Joke, joke. And she said, no, I need you to come and see me. And obviously because I've already had a cancer, having a second cancer diagnosis, things, you get treated slightly differently. Um, and the mind goes off on a tangent because mm. you've been through a cancer and you've been through chemo and all those things. And mm. the last thing on my mind was, oh, God, I don't want to do chemo again. Please, mm. no, I can't do the chemo again. And fortunately, I went for a colposcopy. She wasn't 100% happy. And she said, well, hysterectomy. And I was fortunate. It wasn't too late. It wasn't early enough, but it wasn't too late. It wasn't early enough just for the scraping? No. As we had it all explained, you had to have this radical hysterectomy. So I had a hysterectomy. Now I'm a complete sports model. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. So how was that hysterectomy? I mean, it's a a big op. Hell. And I haven't had kids. So um, the surgery is a little bit different if you haven't had kids, if you're going to have a hysterectomy. Um, so she, they cut through. They didn't do it um, laparoscopically or the other way they do it. So I thought breast cancer surgery was bad. But hysterectomy, you can't cough, you can't move, you can't bend for the mm. first week or two. Mm. But I must say, um, when you're in your 40s, having hysterectomy has a lot of benefits. Oh, really? Yes. So, Tim, what are the benefits? You don't menstruate anymore. Okay. Oh, oh so it's a great benefit. Oh, I'm glad. I mean, there's a benefit. <laughs> there has to be some good at the <laughs> you end. You reframed of it for brilliant. There we go. So, yes, yeah, so I've got to be more aware, obviously, because I'm, I'm prone to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and now when I feel something's not right, I learned my lesson after waiting six months to see my gynae. I now follow up and I check. Mm. And we have started doing a lot of um, cervical cancer awareness as well Because strangely enough in South Africa Even though more women die of cervical cancer than any other cancer There are no cervical cancer NGOs It is part of the HIV NGOs Because Mm. there's a link between HPV and HIV etc But there's no dedicated cervical cancer awareness In the NGOs. Absolutely shocking. So the breast cancer NGOs, because there's quite a few of us in the country, have started with the cervical cancer awareness when we do our talks to bring them both in. Fantastic. I mean, it was just, as Trudy said, it's just, it's being, the the cervix has been given a bad name because it sits in the vagina, so no one wants to talk about it or support it or anything it. Uh, uh, yes and no. We we also have to realize we've got a very culturally diverse country Mm. and a very patriarchal system, and the fathers don't want to know about these things. And the vaccinating the girls at school, the fathers are going, oh, well, they're getting vaccinated, therefore they are going to become sexually active. And I think that needs to change, yeah. um, especially you with our ch- younger you generation. You have to change that narrative. I mean, it's very, very important. Again, I mean, I don't want to repeat the whole interview, but she mm. spoke about the success rate in Australia. And so what they're starting to see is a whole generation of no irregular cells because of those women who have had the vaccination, which is incredible, which, which is really what we should be looking at in South Africa if it's the biggest killer in terms of South African women. Well, the, 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 um, Public sector schools, the government schools, are vaccinating the girls between 9 and 12, but not the boys. Um, It's the private schools where they're not getting vaccinated. And the thing is, out of the entire cancer spectrum, cervical is the only one that has a vaccination that can actually be prevented. And it helps. 
It absolutely, I mean, it's brilliant. Mm, mm. So, so what is, so you're slowly starting to introduce it, do the talks. Are you finding people more open-minded about the vaccination being primary prevention? I think our generation who have teenage daughters and younger daughters that are going to be eligible for vaccination soon are more open-minded. Okay. However, I find the older generation, the, the ladies in their sixties and things, it's still a little bit taboo to discuss these things. Mm. Um, but it, the mindset is changing um, and it's education. Mm. It's all about education. If we educate our youth and our girls at a young age, they will be able to pick up cervical cancers, breast cancers earlier and early detection saves lives, mm. and please, irrespective of the cancer. And please, God, the young boys will also be vaccinated because, as Trudy explained, they, you know, just as, as much risk um, with with different um, types of, of cancers. So I'm so delighted we did this show. It's such an important show, Louise, really. Is there anything else you wanted to add that I haven't covered? I think Trudy covered most of it. Mm. Um, and again, the important thing is know your body. Mm. Listen to your body. Um, I should practice what I preach. I now do. I now listen to my body because I knew something wasn't right. Mm. I just knew it wasn't right. You knew. The, I it knew. was just there in the fear. You know, there's a fine line between listening to your body and then becoming overly neurotic. And I suppose it's really tuning in and knowing that you're living a healthy lifestyle and really trying to move in that direction. I, I hope that's the message that we get across today. But I, I must add on a healthy lifestyle, dark chocolate is far better than any other chocolate. So please, ladies, <laughs> dark, chocolate. dark chocolate. Can you just change the taste and make it as good as light tasting, to, uh, the milk chocolate? But I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that into consideration. Louise, lovely having you on the show, as always. And thank you for sharing your story. Wow. It's a pleasure. We appreciate it. Not easy, you know, with these two cancers, but but everyone's learning and gaining from your experience. So thank you so much. Well, I have a path in life, and this is now this is your path. What I'm doing. Oh, Louise Turner, wonderful having you on the show. Thanks for thank inviting me. Thank you for your me. generosity of spirit, or, as always. We're going to take a break. After the break, we're talking about the 947, the Discovery Race. Um, we have a dear link angel in the studio is going to be telling us about what he's doing, and then you've got to make up your mind. I think you've got something like 24 hours. T- the clock is Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So we do have a male in the studio. I mean, I don't know, you know, how many men have been thinking, oh, we're talking about cervical cancer and it's so hard. And then poor Wayne walked in and we really started talking about it all. And he was just interested and 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 he's learned a whole lot of interesting things so wayne diamond not only do you help the dr link but you have such an open mind welcome lovely to have you on the show thanks nikki thank you for having me yeah you, you can you can share the story and all your knowledge it, it, certainly, was interesting. it certainly was interesting sitting here listening to the pre- two previous ladies mm, and you, i'm sure you learned something do you do you have children wayne i have two children do you have a, a daughter i have a daughter how old is she How's uh, this? I'm gum now. There she, we go. How old is she? She's now, she's almost 11. Mm. Are you convinced about the, uh, how I am putting you on the line. You know that. Are you convinced about the vaccination? I didn't hear enough about it to, uh, be totally knowledgeable about it, but, uh, I certainly will start doing some research and, uh, 
I'll bring my wife into this one as well. You know, if we can just get a few listeners who were kind of on the fence and they weren't sure about vaccinating their daughters and certainly their sons as well, it's something that they should consider just in terms of how it can prevent cervical cancer. Absolutely. Something really to think about, especially on the show. So, Wayne, lovely, lovely to have you on the show. You are the DL Link Angel. Um, you've been involved with the DL Link for the past two years, but you have quite a long history with the, with the DL Link. That is correct. Um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer in about 2012 uh, with stomach and colon cancer. Uh, and around about that time, he, we heard about the DL Link which I think was in the relatively early days mm, when DLink was around. two years old or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And they were actually fantastic way back then. Uh, now, obviously, they've grown from strength to strength, and it's uh, even more phenomenal as to what they do. How were they with your dad? Fantastic. Just supporting your dad and all of you? Yeah, they, they supported my mom and dad uh, quite extensively. Um, from the rest of us, we obviously were involved uh, we met Tammy and Michelle in those days then as well. And they were in everything that they did with regard to whenever my dad went for chemo, uh, whenever he was around, it needed help. Uh, every, every Shabbos they brought colors across, uh, mm. and everything like that. They were just absolutely fantastic. Mm. And I believe when your daughter was seven, she cut her hair and she donated it for, for some person in Israel. Maybe Correct. So what incredible happened, story. What happened was that when she was about seven, just before she turned seven, mm-hmm. uh, someone had mentioned to her that girls can cut their hair and donate it for a wig. And she asked me, uh, I think it was myself or my wife, to do some research on it. And she made the decision to actually cut her hair. And she cut off 35 centimeters of oh. her hair. Which was actually she had very long hair. Yeah, right? she had fantastic, absolutely beautiful hair, cut off thirty-five centimeters, and I believe the next day the hair was whisked off to Israel, and they made a wig for a young girl cancer sufferer. <laughs> so on, on so many levels, I mean, you as a parent, how did you respond? How did you react to that? It was very difficult at those times to actually take cognizance of what she had done. Mm. You know, you sort of have your dad on the one side who's suffering from cancer. And then your daughter does this, and we're unbelievably proud of her, uh, beyond, beyond me, uh, terms. You just can't believe what she had actually, at that age, made a decision to cut off her hair, to, to do it for, as she calls it, Grampy. Mm. And it was just fantastic. She was, and I'm sure many kids and can learn from yeah, that. Very d- proud. Yeah. Dear Link proud. gave her a certificate that she still got to oh, this day. Lovely. Uh, and, uh, even to this day when, Last night when I was chatting to her about the show, she pulled out the certificate and said, yeah, here's the certificate. This is what it was. Good for her. And it was just fantastic. Good for her. Just tell her we're very yeah. proud of her, really. What, what an incredible thing to do. So you are helping. The last two years you've helped with, tell us how you've got involved in the 947 cycle race. Um, we've been doing a lot of water bottle sponsorships mm-hmm. uh, from a company perspective to various different charities. Uh, Deal Link, obviously, with our, my connection to Deal Link, uh, we've sponsored them with uh, water bottles over the last couple of years. Uh, and this year as well, we're sponsoring part of their cycling kit for 947. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So hopefully you're inspiring a whole lot of people who are listening right now who can get involved. If there's anyone else out there who would like to take out some sponsorship on the 947 kit, 
I'm sure that uh, DL Link certainly would like to hear from you. So please so give him a call. So your sponsorship, it's the shorts. You're doing the shorts. You've still do- got a whole shirt free. Correct. I'm doing part of the shorts. Okay. Have you seen the kit? Or are we still in design stage? I have not seen the okay. kit. Uh, I'm waiting for, I think, Tammy to are. send me some designs. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Are you going to be cycling or are you just kind of sponsoring? I am cycling as well. I've done it for oh. the last few years. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, it's the reverse this year again, same as last year. So it's a, I think the first 60 kilometers or so, but are quite tough. And, but, uh, there's also the 40k ride, which, uh, is great. So if you can't do 94 kilometers, uh, and you just feel like having a, a good ride, people should sign up for the 40 kilometer ride. Absolutely. Wayne, you're awesome. Your family is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to the I show. I think it's more of Deal Link that's awesome. Well, you guys make it possible for him to be awesome. So thank you very thank much you. for coming on to the show. Great having you, Wayne Diamond, um, a Deal Link angel. So he's sponsoring and he is taking part in the race and you can too. Listen, registration closes tomorrow. You gotta to make up your mind ASAP. So, um, you can call the Deal Link offices or why don't you go onto the Discovery, um, 947 Rye Joburg website. Register when you register, um, a, a charity will come up. You click the DL link and you can be a part of this extraordinary experience that happens on the 17th of November. I have learned so much today. I hope you have too. Um, wishing you a Shana Tova, a happy new year, a sweet new year. Please, God, may it be a good one. Um, but I will be on your radio same time next Thursday from me, Nikki Seberini. Until then, do take care. Goodbye.